the words a couple times there, and you just used O, but uh, all right, no, that was good. Thank you so much for that. Acts chapter 10, and uh, here as they think about during the Christmas season, you have special times of year. Everybody expects you to have a message that is themed, and and with that, there's there is a um, I'm going to say a pressure, not really a pressure, but you're looking at different ways to tie uh, the theme in. And you know, usually I will preach a message uh, along Christmas council, uh, just something before Christmas, trying to help our people to. Uh, to see things, to help us in our faith. But when we think about all that the Savior has done for us and his coming, that was just such a small glimpse of what he has done. Such a small glimpse of all that his coming represents in our life. And there isn't really anything that we can do to identify with that story of his birth. But we can identify with his life. We can tell the story, we can convey the truth, but when it really comes down to our living day by day, it really doesn't tie just to his coming. It really rolls, revolves around his life his death and his resurrection. And so this Christmas season, uh, as I think about uh, what the Lord has done, I, my mind just keeps coming back to uh, verse number 38 of Acts chapter 10. The Bible says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good. Who went about doing good. He has left us here. And with that, what can we emulate? What is it that we can do that is Christ-like? We can go about doing that which is good. And so tonight I want to speak to you on the subject, a Christ-centered Christmas. A Christ-centered Christmas. And what would that what would that look like? What could we what could we put into our life that uh, would would help us uh, to have a Christ centered Christmas? And Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight. Uh, may your word uh, go forth with power. Help us as we as we look at some principles, some examples. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to do what we can uh, to live for you and to be that vessel that you would want us to be. And so bless now, please, for Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. And so as we think about a Christ-centered Christmas and living the life that the Lord would want us to live and to go about doing good, how can I in my life right now uh, have a Christ-centered Christmas? How can I, what can I do that would help me to really understand, to, uh, to view it through a, through a biblical lens, through a Christian lens, and not to have a secular mindset. Uh, I don't know about you, but it's easy to get caught up with just all the events of Christmas. And we say Jesus is the reason for the season, but we don't have G time for Jesus during Christmas because we're so busy doing other things. 
And so, so if we are really going to have a Christ-centered Christmas, then we've got to change some things here. And so I was just thinking through, what are some things that we can do to help our mind, to help ourselves uh, have a Christ-centered Christmas? And I'm not talking about just on Christmas Day, but this whole season of Christmas. Uh, first of all, uh, read the Christmas stories often. Read the Christmas stories plural, often. Read the accounts of what this, this situation, this time of year represents. Uh, there's basically, there's two different, uh, two different passages that you could go to. Uh, Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18, and that would go through chapter 2, verse number 15. So Matthew 1, 18 through chapter 2 and verse 15, and then Luke chapter number 1, and it would be verse 26 through Luke chapter 2 and verse number 20. But as you are, uh, as you are reading these events and as you are looking at them uh, from the gospel of Matthew and also through the gospel of Luke, uh, it will bring up different things about what transpired uh, during that Christmas story and that Christmas event. And it will help reiterate in our mind, uh, I have read through Luke chapter 2 this season over and over and over and over again. I've read Luke or Matthew 1 uh, through Matthew 2 multiple times. Uh, why? Because I'm trying to inundate my mind with uh, the events that transpired uh, it, that concern uh, this season called Christmas. And so I asked Brother Franklin if he would come uh, and read Matthew 1. Get your Bibles. Go to verse number 18. Uh, we're going to read through chapter 2 and verse number 15. Verse 18 now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he commanded, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And, and thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not of the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel." 
Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and that, and when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship it also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced and exceedingly great, with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. So when we're looking at these passages of Scripture, and then you, you see all the events, and we, we read what has transpired and what was going on. Uh, try to imagine what it was like. Try to imagine if you were there, would we have believed that, that Mary was with child of the Holy Ghost? It's easy for us. We've got it in Scripture. They didn't. Would we have really believed or would we have been like the Pharisees and said, we weren't born in fornication? I mean, years later, that testimony had followed Christ and the disbelief uh, of him. And, and so uh, you look and you see the, uh, the events that transpired and uh, the pressure that they had to have experienced. The pressure from family. Think about it. I mean, if ladies, if you were Mary, what would your dad said? Your dad wouldn't have believed you. <laughs> uh, and you know, that, that is a reality. They didn't, they didn't have everything that we have. Now, they did have the promise, Isaiah 7, 14, a virgin shall conceive, and, and there would be that, that, that uh, uh, prophecy that was there, but how many would have, have put it together that it was that event for their day? And so, uh, so reading through and putting yourself in that situation, trying to understand all the different scenarios of the events that transpired, uh, it will help us uh, to really have a Christ-centered Christmas. You think of Luke chapter 1 and all that is given there uh, and, and what the Lord had done. Uh, so read uh, the Christmas story. If I'm going to have a, a Christ-centered Christmas, then I need to be very familiar, not just familiar with part of the, the story. You know, there are a lot of people that are familiar with part of the story, but they don't really understand the depths of all that was going on. So, so with that, for us to have a Christ-centered Christmas, then let's 
Let's learn, let's grow, let's study, uh, let's read about it so we can, uh, we can see what was going on. Uh, secondly, pray. Pray. If I'm going to have a Christ-centered Christmas, then spend time talking to God. Pray. We can, we can say that Christ is, you know, Christmas is all about him, Jesus is the reason for the season, and we can throw all these little quips out, but it doesn't mean that Jesus is the reason for the season to me. He is the reason for the season, but it doesn't mean that it's personal. So, so pray. Thank the Lord for his coming. Truly be thankful for his coming. Now, I've said it before, a thankful people are a thinking people. A thinking people are a thankful people. And, and, and the reality is, as we think about all that transpired and we're reading the passage, it will help me to be more thankful for what the Lord went through, uh, what uh, God went through to bring his son uh, to this earth. And so thank the Lord for his coming. Medi- meditate on the impact salvation has had in your life. Meditate on it. You know, my prayer is me talking to God, but having a time of meditation where I am just musing on what God has done. I am thinking about what God has done in my life. I'm not talking about, God, thank you for dying for the world. Though I am thankful that he did, I'm thankful he died for me. I'm thankful he was willing to come for me. And it needs to be personal. If I'm going to have a Christ-centered Christmas, then I have to personalize. I have to understand of the depths there. So thank the Lord for his coming. Meditate on the impact. Think of this, what, what it took for God to get you saved. April 23rd, 1983. I got saved. And, and I, tell, I tell mom, I've said it before to her, uh, you just didn't listen well the first time. Uh, because when I was in fourth grade, uh, we moved out to the country and uh, the Holy Spirit was working on my mom's heart and she decided she wanted to go to church and she picked up the phone book. That's this book, it's about this big, it's about that thick and she uh, thumbed through it to the, uh, to the uh, uh, A's. She went to churches and the yellow pages and went to the A's and she found a little Assembly of God church that wasn't too far from us. And we went into that church, and it was Little House on the Prairie. It was two rows, uh, wooden benches, uh, and it was, it was just this little one-room schoolhouse-type scenario, steeple. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, they started speaking in tongues during the, the service, and we're looking around. Us boys started laughing. We started getting flicked by mom and dad in the back of the head, quit laughing. And so uh, anyway, we walked out of there and it was, okay, if that's what church is, we don't want anything to do with it. And we walked out and it wasn't until I was in eighth grade when the Lord was working on mom's heart again. I'm glad she learned a little bit from the first time. She got that same phone book out, uh, went to churches, looked at the A's and 
said, we didn't do so good at the A's. Let's go to the B's. And she went to Baptist churches and found uh, Bethel Baptist Church. And we ended up going and uh, they got saved that Sunday morning. I got saved that Sunday night. Uh, But all that it transpired, God had been working in my mom's heart. God had been working. He wasn't working in my heart. I had no idea. Uh, I hadn't thought about dying. I hadn't thought about any of that. I didn't think about my eternal destiny. That wasn't even in uh, the forefront of my mind whatsoever. Yet, when I heard the gospel, I got saved. But it wasn't that God didn't just start working on April 23rd, 1983. He was already working. And God was working in your life as well. You, you have been raised in a Christian home. Uh, God, God has worked in a lot of ways to make sure that you heard the gospel. Amen. Uh, the attacks that came from the evil one to try to get your family out of church before you got saved. Yep. Devil, the devil is real. He is working. And so uh, if we are going to have a Christ-centered Christmas, let's think about what he has done and how he has done that for us. So read uh, the Christmas stories off and pray. Uh, thank the Lord for his coming. Meditate on the impact of salvation for you. Um, think about what God has done in your family. The blessings he has given because of salvation, because he has come. The blessings that you get to enjoy. And then praise him for that. Thirdly, share the Christmas story. Share the Christmas story. And I'm not talking about just telling about Jesus coming. I'm talking about why he came. What was the, what was the purpose of his coming? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And we look at all that the Lord has done. We need to make sure that we are communicating that. Uh, The real Christmas story is about God's gift to us. And his gift to us was his own son. His gift for us was a gift that was more, a more costly gift than we could ever even begin to comprehend. God gave his son. And so share that. Share that Christmas story. Uh, share the, the story of salvation. Because that's why, that's why Christ came, was to seek and to save that which was lost. So uh, let's, let's share that story. Let's communicate uh, the purpose of his coming. But not just communicate the purpose of his coming. Uh, uh, with that uh, preaching and teaching salvation, uh, the, how do we do that? Give a track. Give a gospel track out. Amen. We don't know what they're going to do with it. Oh, pastor, I've given them one before. They're just going to throw it away. Give them to them again. You didn't pay for it. All right? All right? Let them throw it away. But you don't know. You don't know which time they're going to hang on to it. I don't know how many times I've heard people say that they had a gospel track and they could not throw it away. Uh, several years ago, we had a family, uh, a lady that, uh, that uh, contacted the church. And uh, anyway, uh, she was given a gospel track, and it sat, a gospel track from here. It sat on her dresser for, I think she said, 10 years. And then her son committed suicide. 
And she got that gospel track out and got saved. We don't know what it's going to take, what God is going to do. But we've got to put the word out. We've got to share, we've got to share the good news with people uh, and telling people uh, about, about salvation. But tell your Christmas story. Tell, tell your, give, don't just give a track. Look for ways to give your testimony. You know, when we think about, well, I don't, I don't know how to win somebody to the Lord. I don't know all the verses. What verses did Paul, did Paul quote when he was witnessing the King Agrippa? What verses did he, did he quote when, when he was going to Festus? He didn't go to any verses. All he did was gave his personal testimony. I was on to the road to Damascus. Uh, I saw a light. He shared his personal encounter of salvation. The only information you need to know to be able to win somebody to Christ is how you got saved. Because you didn't get saved without realizing that, that you were a sinner in need of a Savior and that Jesus Christ was that Savior. He died on the cross. We make it so complicated, but it's not. And any, if, how many of you are saved tonight? All right. If you know you're saved, then you know how to tell somebody else. Because how'd you get saved? Oh, you know, I, 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 didn't, I didn't know all those verses. Did you get saved because you knew all those verses? If you don't know them now, what, means, what makes you think you knew them then? Has nothing to do with all that. What it has to do with whether or not you reached out and accepted Christ as your personal savior. You communicated your need for him. Uh, he draws and all we do is receive. And, and so salvation, we make it so hard, uh, but it is not. So, uh, so read the Christmas story, pray, share the Christmas story with others. Fourthly, do something for someone else. And I'm not talking about family. I'm not talking about somebody within your group of friends. Do something for someone else. What is it? What do you think Jesus did? He went about doing good. What did that look like? He doesn't tell us. We know he healed people. Well, pastor, I can't heal. Okay? But there are things that we can do. Jesus didn't only heal people. He did a lot of good. Uh, he went about doing uh, that which was good. And so look for something that you can do. I'm not saying something that you can do, something that you can do. Lord, what is it that I can do for somebody else? What is it that I can do uh, to do good? Uh, someone outside that circle of friends and family, ask the Lord to guide uh, your giving or generosity or opportunity that he will, he will bring our way. If we will look for something, he will show us something. But if we don't look, we won't, we won't find it. 
So ask the Lord to guide. Ask him to guide your giving. Ask him to guide generosity. Uh, And it doesn't have to be in the form of a gift, but it could be. Uh, It might be uh, looking for a way to encourage somebody. It might be uh, looking for a way to help equip somebody. Maybe it's going to be a card of encouragement or prayer. Maybe it'll be some cookies. Maybe it'll be an anonymous gift. Uh, But look for something. Ask the Lord to help you to find something that you can do for somebody else. And what do we find? That's what Jesus did. He went about doing good. And so if I want to have uh, a, uh, a Christ-centered Christmas, thinking about uh, what he has done and his, uh, the, uh, the blessings that have come because of his coming, uh, then I want to I live in a way that I am doing good as well. Maybe, maybe it's being generous to somebody that you don't know at all. Maybe it's stopping to get a cup of coffee and giving a $100 tip. Maybe it's you go out to eat and leave a $200 tip. You know what that'll do for somebody? Well, pastor, I don't know what they're going to do with it. I I don't know either. I didn't know what they're going to do with the $20 tip. We, we get so caught up in us. Me and mine. And just look for ways. Lord, what, what is it that you want me to do? You say, Pastor, I don't have $100. I don't have $200. Some of you might not, but there are many that do. And I have given a $200 tip to, for some, to somebody. You know what that did for me? It did more for me than it did for them. Unbelievable. You know, we, we, need to, we need to look for ways to just do good. I shouldn't have said anything about giving a $200 tip. Jesus went about doing good. That, that being good and doing good, it wasn't being miserly. We're not careful. We have resources and ability. I'm not, God doesn't tell us to give everything away. But we need not to have a closed fist. And so consumed with getting and so here he went about doing that which was good. Uh, the, when we look at when we look at the parable of the steward, the stewards, uh, we find that uh, the one the ones that were blessed, the ones that heard, "Well done, thou good and faithful servant," they weren't the ones that hid and saved. They were the ones that were using the resources for the kingdom. They were using it for the master's use. It's not all about how much we can save and how much we can get. Uh, so, so with that, uh, the, the good that was done there, uh, the, uh, look for ways to, to do good to somebody else. Uh, lastly here, number five, surrender. 
surrender. He gave himself for me. What will I give for him? What is it that, what is it, what area of my life am I hanging on to? Maybe, maybe I have sort of taken some of my life back. And just a surrender, new and fresh. Surrender whatever part of your life that you're battling with. Maybe there's, maybe there's this, an area that you're just sort of guarding. Just surrender that area to the Lord. Just give it to him. Surrender your will to his will. It's amazing. Sometimes after we've been saved for a while, we think we know God's will. And we do what we want to do and just say, well, I'm in God's will. But are we really? Are we living a surrendered life to him? And the Lord would, he gave his all for us. So uh, our ways to his ways, his will is his way. So if there's areas of my life that I have not surrendered to, to live his way, then I need to surrender that. A surrendered life is a life that is lived for him, not for me. The very first thing that Saul said was, Lord, what wilt thou have me to, what was that? Do. What would you have me to learn? No. What would you have me to understand? No. It was, Lord, what would you have me to do? There are a lot of people that have the knowledge, but they have none of the doing. And we're not going to reach this world without doing. It's going to take God's people to be engaged in the mission of sharing the good news of the gospel. And so surrender. So if I want to have a Christ-centered Christmas, then, then I should surrender. Give uh, myself a renewed, a renewed surrender to the Lord uh, and finish celebrating uh, his, his uh, coming to earth by giving myself to him. He gave himself to us. Let's give ourselves to him. So a Christ-centered Christmas. And with that, he went about doing that which was good. And with that, what an epitaph that he had uh, of doing good. And so that, that life, that surrendered life, and he surrendered his life for us, uh, we should surrender our life for him. And in doing so, uh, it's amazing that as we, are, as we are following him, there is joy. There's joy in serving the Lord. There's joy. And he gives us a lot of blessings and a lot of opportunities. But let's use them. Let's not miss them. I don't want to get to the end of my life when my health is gone and I can't, I can't serve I don't want to get to that place looking back thinking, I wished I had. Let's, let's use our life now. He has a purpose for it. Father, I pray that you'd help us. Help us this season. Uh, Lord, the world that we interact in, our world,
the people, the, the places, the events that we participate in day in and day out, whether it's in a workplace, whether it's getting groceries or food and uh, all the people and the opportunities that we have, I pray that uh, we wouldn't just allow them to pass us by uh, and, and not communicate uh, not allow you to work in and through us. And so I pray that uh, this Christmas season that we would really think about all that you have done. And because of what you have done, help us out of a heart of gratitude and love uh, to serve you and to give ourselves afresh and anew uh, to you. And so I pray that there would be that renewed surrender and uh, a life of, uh, of service out of a heart of gratitude. And so thank you for the blessings you have given to us. Bless now in this time, for Christ's sake.